You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. I want to welcome you to our fourth lesson in a verse-by-verse study of James. Uh, Josh, Paul, myself, I tell you, we are enjoying teaching this study. I, I just can't hardly wait for it's my turn again. Uh, we are enjoying this. And I've heard great comments about this study, too. I appreciate all of those that have said how much this is meaning to them and blessing them. As we begin in Lesson 4, the emphasis of this next section in James that we're going to look at is on the dangers of self-deception, deceiving your own self. And, and many even deceive themselves into thinking that they're saved when they're not. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Many believers are are deceiving themselves concerning their walk with God and where they really are with the Lord. And and James addresses that in this next section of Scripture. Go to James chapter 1. Let's get started. Where we left off last week, we pick right up in verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Don't listen. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. The Word of God is planted in our lives. And and I have fought all day, and I'm fighting myself right now to want to spend my entire time on this one word, planted. I could just talk a, a series on this one word, planted. The Word of God planted. When you plant Something. When you plant anything, you expect it to grow and you expect it to produce a harvest. Boy, this word planted is key. The Word of God is planted. It's not just read, it's not a little Bible study, it's not some topic for Sunday morning. The Word of God is planted. Now, I don't, it doesn't matter what you plant, apple seed, wheat seed, rice seed, potato seed, plant roses, plant tulips. I cleared some property uh, here a month or so ago. I called Alan Bates up and I say, look, what can I plant? 
He tells me what kind of seed to get and how to mix this seed. And, and I got two different kinds of seed and I mixed it and I planted that seed and I fully expected. Now understand, there was no, I mean, I would not have been happy had I not had notable, visible, I could see that it, this stuff came up. It came up. That's the word that he's using describing the word of God. When you read the word, when you read that word and you close it and you set it down, you're not on your stand and you go out to your job, I'm expecting that thing to do something for me today. That's going to bring happiness. That's going to bring some joy. That's going to bring some peace. That's going to whip fear out of my life. That's going to whip worry. See, I expect, boy, I just, I got to move on. Uh, this word planted now, I, we can't talk about that long enough. I just want you to get a hold of that. Now, you spend the rest of the day tomorrow thinking about planted. The word of God is like planting. It's planted in you. And what does that mean? Follow me, verse 19. We've got to go. Quick to listen or hear. Matthew thirteen nine. He who has ears, let him hear. Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing. You know, it's amazing how little so many people listen and how much they talk. Here's just something that's very difficult for me. Uh, I am often called by folks that need counseling or need advice or need wisdom or, Tim, I, I, need, you to, I, need, I need you to give me some wisdom on my finances or I need to bounce off a business decision or, Tim, could you... Talk to me about my, whatever it is, my marriage, or could I have a point where you all want to seek some wisdom? Absolutely, be glad to see you. They come, and before they sit down, they're talking. And they never take a breath and they talk the whole time they're there. And, and then finally, I get a word in, and quickly they tell me why that won't work, because da 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 here they go. You know, but you can watch this in a group. The one that so needs to be listening is the one usually doing most of the talking. You know, I just want to tell my shoulder, look, with the people you're surrounded with, why don't you be quiet and just listen and you could learn something right here. Verse 19, slow to speak. You know, many don't notice this. Many don't notice this, but just think about it. God gave us two ears and only one mouth. That ought to tell you something. Proverbs 17, 27. He who restrains his words has knowledge. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Verse four, uh, Proverbs 14, 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Verse 20. Anger does not produce righteousness. Now, I want to talk about this just for a minute. Just because you are angry about some wrongs or about some injustice, just because you're angry about that doesn't make you okay. Just because you're mad about something wrong doesn't make you necessarily right. And you hear me say this all the time, but, but I hear dope smokers all the time who are mad at a friend for doing that hard stuff. I'd never do that. Yeah, 
and, and this was years ago, but, and I'll never forget it. They were doing a documentary on prostitutes in this big town. And they were interviewing these girls, and they were furious because those girls wouldn't stay on their side of town. And they should respect our pride plate. This is our street. That's where we work. And they ought to have the decency. They ought to have the respect. They ought to say, just because you're mad at somebody else for doing wrong doesn't mean that you're doing the right thing. And he said that the anger, the anger that you're walking in doesn't make you okay. This is a deception. You deceive yourself because you're angry at those people doing wrong. Now you feel good about yourself because you're mad at those people for doing wrong. Are you doing right? Are you doing the right thing? Look what he says here. Verse 21. Get rid of, put aside all the filth, evil, and receive the word. If you do not receive the implanted word, you deceive yourself. The word is planted. Before I plant my seed, it's important that I have dirt that can receive that seed. If your dirt is just packed hard as concrete, the seed sits up on top of the ground, that seed can't produce what it was meant to produce unless that dirt receives the seed. Are you, are you getting the analogy? Well, we could just talk a long time about this because it is so, it, the, the analogy is so clear about what the Word is supposed to do in our life. Now, when you look at verse 21, if you don't receive the implanted Word, you deceive yourself. Look what it says. This has always intrigued me. It has the power, or some of your translations say, it is able to save. Now, here's what I want you to know about the Word. It has the power to do something in your life, but it's not necessarily automatic. The the Word has the power to transform your life, but it might not. If you don't receive it and act on it, be a doer of the Word, the Word has the power to produce peace, but you may be walking in all kind of worry right now. You're hearing the Word? You're consumed with worry about your kids, about your marriage, about your family, about your finances. You're consumed with worry. The word is able, but it's not automatic. It's going to require you doing something in this. Now, here is the deception. Many think that hearing a good sermon, that going to a Bible study on Tuesday night, makes you grow and mature. It's not the hearing of the Word. It is leaving that Bible study and going and applying that in your life that will then bring you peace, that will then help you overcome worry, that will help you overcome fear. And see, it's a deception. Well, I went to church Sunday. Well, that's great. But did you do what the sermon was about Monday through Saturday? See, and the deception is that we're somewhere... Well, I agree with giving. That's great. Are you a giver? See, are you a giver? See, the deception is because we read the Bible. The deception is because we went to church. The deception is because we went to a Bible study that now we're good to go, and you're not. Very interesting. James uses looking at our face 
in the mirror as the example or the illustration. Now I want to look at three ministries of the mirror of the word. Three ministries that James shows us of the mirror of the word. Verse 23, for if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. First ministry of that mirror of the word is examination. Examination. The main purpose of owning a mirror is to be able to examine yourself and remove unwanted filth. Remove unwanted dirt. It shocks me at my age how I can grow an unbelievable amount of hair on my nose and not any on my head. Well, the purpose of a mirror is for you to sit in front of that mirror and remove that nose hair. You got to remove all of that hair coming out of your ears. You let it grow and then comb it up over your head. See, I, you would not know what needs to be removed. Okay, go back to the word filth, where we started. See, remove the filth and the evil. Well, what shows you the filth that's on your face? A mirror. What is the mirror? The Word of God. So as you read the Word, it's like looking in a mirror, and it says, look, that nose hair's got to go. Now, you got to get that pimple. It's got to go. See, that, the, the, man, those dirty pores, you got to get a, you got to scrape there. You, you got, see, remove the filth, and how do you know you have filth on your life? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Well, what's wrong with, well, let, let me just show you in the mirror what's wrong with you. Are, are you getting the example that James gave us? Three mistakes in examining oneself. First mistake, merely glance. You merely glance at yourself in the mirror, quickly pass by the word. Yeah, you in the word this week? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I've been the word this week. When? Well, last Sunday. Okay, while you daydreamed, you sat and listened to a 27-minute sermon, and that's the extent. See, you, you walked by the mirror, but you merely glanced at it. You getting the analogy here? I've never thought about it. I've taught on this section countless times in my life. I never thought about it until this last week. My wife, Terry, she has a chair in front of her mirror. She don't walk by. And I've been watching this phenomenon for some 43 years now. <laughs> she carefully looks into that mirror for an extended amount of time. And it just goes on and on and on when I feel like we're trying to go somewhere. See, that mirror shows you where you need work. But I've learned not to complain over the years to her, and I never say a word to her ever about it, because I see girls who just throw on a little makeup while they're driving to work, 
There's a huge difference. Oh, I just put, I just put on my makeup driving to work. I can tell. There's no doubt about where you were when you put that makeup on. Let me just tell you, my wife sits in there for a long time in front of that mirror. And it's just well worth it. Because I see women who quickly dab as they're getting dressed. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. When you don't sit for a long time in front of that mirror, you think you're okay. Oh, I put my makeup on driving to work. Well, that's good, except you've got makeup lying here. You've got way more on this side of your face than that side. You look a little leprous. I mean, like splotches or, oh, oh, I'm, no, I don't have makeup. I just put mine on driving to work. I just get me a little makeup. Yeah, that, oh, that's good. See, you think you look good. You don't know you don't look good until you spend some time in front of the mirror. I just want to say, come on, do us all a favor. Sit down. Just work on yourself for a little while in the mirror. It's worth the time spent. I hear ladies tell me, oh, I can get dressed and I can get ready and out the door in 15 minutes. I Believe me, I know. I can see. I can see. The word is a mirror. And are you getting dressed in 10 or 15 minutes and passing by the mirror? Or are you staring at the mirror and it's showing you? I think this is really good that I'm doing right now. I, I really do. I'm carried away with this. Ladies, you you don't do your makeup while you're doing something else. And if you do, we can all tell you did that. Boy, is that good? Is that good? You you don't read the Word while you're watching TV and talking to everybody else. Yeah, I read my Bible this morning. Yeah, Yeah, we can tell. We can sure tell how much time you spent staring at the mirror It's obvious to everybody you walk by how much time you spent. It's obvious to all of your co-workers how much time you spent staring in the mirror. This is the analogy that James is giving us. Three mistakes in examination of oneself. Number one, you merely glance. You didn't spend enough time there. Number two, the second mistake, you forget what you saw. You know, we see it all the time. You're late for work. It was bad. It wasn't good that you were late. It was a bad deal. So you're late again. And it's a bad deal. And you're late again. And, and five years later, you're still late everywhere you go. You, you're not learning from your lessons in life. See, when the Word shows you something about yourself, we don't still need to be working on that five years later. We don't need to be working on that. You guys here in Teen Challenge, you've got a, a God-given opportunity to turn your life around and go and do great things in your life if you don't forget what you saw while you were here. See, the leaders are pouring into you and pouring into you. And, and I heard you had a great chapel last night, had a great speaker there. Paul can thank me later. (laughs) Y'all had a great speaker in chapel last night. Oh, boy, Paul, y'all, was great. That was great. I don't know if it was good or not. We'll see in five years. Oh, boy, you should have heard Paul last night. He was good. I don't know if he was or not, but I can tell you in a year if he was good. Does that make sense to you? See, you, you don't forget what you saw, and too many people are forgetting what they saw. 
you're at the bottom of the barrel. You look, I've blown it. I've messed up. Okay, so here I am. Well, we get you going, get you pumped up, get you ready to go. And you go right out and you forget what you saw. And then a year later, you're back in another program. And then you get up and you get out and you go on. And then in a year later, you're back in another program. James is saying you can't forget what you saw. The mirror doesn't do you any good unless you remember what you saw. Here's the deal. You can't grow in your walk with the Lord when you forget what you saw about yourself when you were looking in the mirror. Because you will just repeat the same mistake over and over and over. Three mistakes in examining ourselves. James has given us. Number one, just merely glance. You don't spend enough time sitting there looking. Number two, you forget what you saw. The third mistake is you fail to obey what the Word says to do. The mistake is hearing the Word, and because you heard it, you're good. I want you to know it's not hearing the sermon. It's the doing of the sermon that's beneficial to you. And you've got to know that. Why does James call it, in verse 25, the perfect law? Because when you do what God says to do, it sets you free every time. It's the perfect law. When you do what the Bible says to do, when you live like the Bible says to live, every single time it will work in your life. That's perfection. That's perfection. It is the perfect, God's word, God's commandments, God's instructions are the perfect law because they only work all the time. That's when they work. Psalms 119, don't take your word of truth from me, for your regulations are my only hope. I will keep on obeying your instructions and I will walk in freedom. Examination is only the first ministry of the mirror of the word. The second ministry of the mirror of the word is restoration. The mirror not only examines us, but it also reveals our sins. It reveals what's wrong about us, and it helps us to cleanse them. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. The word washes us. Go to, here's, a, here's an example. Second Samuel, hold your place there. Flip over to 2 Samuel. I won't read the whole story. Um, If you remember David, the king of Israel, he looks across the street. He sees his neighbor's wife. He sends for her, calls her over, has an affair with her, and she gets pregnant. And so he has her husband killed. Y'all remember the story of David and Bathsheba and all of that? All right. Chapter 12. The Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. See, the word is a mirror. The word is a mirror. Now, Nathan the prophet is about to hold this word, hold this mirror up for David to see. Let me tell you a story, David. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate, drank from his cup. He cuddled his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb, killed it, and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. 
As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man to do such a thing deserves to die. He's got to repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Then David said, then Nathan said to David, you the man. You are the man. What did he do? See, the word is a mirror. David was furious at what this guy did. Let me just show you what you did. What is the word supposed to do? It's supposed to bring restoration. Verse 13. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned. I've sinned against the Lord. Why did Nathan go and show the mirror to David? It wasn't to put him down. It wasn't to browbeat him. He showed him in the mirror so that David could remove the filth, could remove, see, so that David could get this out of his life. The, the mirror shows you the nose hair. See, the mirror shows you what needs to be washed off of your face. See, the word shows you, and when Nathan brings the word to David, that word revealed to David what was wrong in his own life. David confesses so that restoration can happen in his life. The third ministry of the mirror of the word is transformation. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says we're being transformed or we've been changed into his image. See, after the Lord restores us, then he wants to change us so that we don't ever do that again. Too many, too many, too many confess their sins, claim forgiveness, but never grow out of continuing to do it again. How many times are you going to go to the altar and repent? How many times are you going to go to the altar and repent? Going to the altar and repenting is a wonderful thing. Now let's don't ever do that again. See, now let's grow out of that and get transformed. We're not just getting forgiven. God wants to transform you. Three ministries of the mirror. Number one, examination. Number two, restoration. Number three, transformation. My wife gets up from her chair in front of that mirror, she's transformed. She's not the same person that sat down in that chair. She is transformed, I tell you. And you can see the difference. And I love what I'm seeing. When you walk out the doors of the church, has that happened for you? Have you been transformed and your husband loves what he's seeing? Have you been transformed Wow. Boy, she sits down at that mirror. But man, when she stands up from that mirror. I mean, there, when she stands up from that mirror, it's a transformation that's taken place. That's the example that James is using here. When you walk out of the doors of the church, does everybody go, wow. Man, do I like what I see here. You look good. What is that about you? I've been sitting in front of a mirror for the last hour and a half. It showed me where I was dirty. Showed me where I was filthy. Went to the altar. I got right with God. A transformation took place. And I'm different than I was when I sat down in that chair. That's what God wants to do in your life. And that's the example that James has given us. I don't see my mom. She's not here. I'm going to tell you this story. 
some years ago. She was on an airplane. She was going to meet some people. supposed to pick her up. And women sometimes feel like they're a little plain, a little white, a little flush. I need a little blush. I need a little rouge on my cheeks. So not having any rouge, and she had done this before, she carries red lipstick with her all the time. So she rubbed a big circle of red lipstick on her cheeks, and then she rubs that all in, and it gives her a little red on her cheeks. My mom is, has been guilty of doing many things at the same time, not really focusing on what she's doing at the time. And she puts this huge red circle on this cheek, huge red circle on that cheek. Then she starts digging in her purse, and then she gets sidetracked, and then she starts doing, then she picked up this. The plane lands, and everybody disembarks, and she walks down to meet these people with these massive bright red circles right here on her cheekbone. Look like a clown now. I'm just telling you. Had a cl- oh, nice to meet you. She goes through the whole evening. What did she need to do desperately? She needed to look in the mirror. She needed to spend some time in the mirror desperately. When you go to meet somebody, spend a little time in the mirror before you go. When you get ready to go to work, spend a little time in the mirror before you go to work. When you get ready to go out on a date, spend a little time in the mirror before you go out on a date. Before you leave Friday night, let's spend a little time in the mirror before you go out. If a person thinks himself, verse 26 and 27, to be religious, that word religious there means acceptable to God. If that person thinks he is acceptable to God and he doesn't control or bridle his tongue, two things that happen. Number one, he deceives his own heart. He's fooling himself. Number two, his religion is in vain. It's worthless. You're not pleasing God. Then James gives us what is real religion. What pleases God? What is real? What is real religion? Here's what it is. Practical, daily things that you do that help and are a blessing to other people. Here, here's real, real religion. Visit the orphans and the widows. Keep yourself unstained and uncorrupted by the word. See, the word of God is just so practical. Real religion, re, the real thing. When you have the real thing, it'll be the way you live your daily life. I want us to continue to stare in the mirror of the word. This is a word church. We believe it's the word that transforms people's lives. And we're always trying to update and be modern and be progressive, but we're not ever leaving the word. This is a word church. We're not ever leaving the word. Prayer is vital in your life. Experiencing God is vital in your life. Emotional touches from God are vital in your life. But anytime you get in a movement where that's what they do, you're not far from getting way off somewhere. And I've watched it happen for many, many years. When you are in a relationship and a walk with the Lord that centers around an emotional experience, you're headed for a ditch in quick fashion. 
It's the reception of the implanted word that saves your soul. It's not the emotional experiences that are vital and necessary. It's the implanted word that saves your soul. Don't take a quick look and forget. Don't deceive yourself. Keep the word before you and be a doer of the word. Y'all stand. Lord, tonight we're not a forgetful hearer. We're not taking a quick glance in the mirror. Oh, we're going to sit in that makeup chair and stare in that mirror. We're going to sit in that chair until we see what needs to change in our life. And we're going to get ourselves right as we live our life out in this world. For others to see you in us as a written epistle. Directing God us as we live our life to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.